Welcome to Navigating Change, the education podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Howard Tybal and a very special guest to talk about the underappreciated power of incremental change and what it means to become a mature organization in your institution. To learn more about our work in education, head over to tybalinc.com. While there, you can subscribe to the show for free. Just click the blue button, and we'll keep you updated whenever we post new shows. In just a few weeks, the Western Association of College and University Business Officers Annual Conference is set to convene in San Francisco, California. The program is full of incredible speakers and events, kicking off Sunday, April 24th, with a keynote by former Secretary of State Dr. Condoleezza Rice, followed by a catalog of university presidents and business officers who are leading the charge for change in their institutions. You can find out more about the conference at wakubo.org. Ruth Johnston is Associate Vice President at University of Washington. As such, she serves as Chief of Staff for Planning and Management and leads and facilitates UW's Organizational Excellence, working across the university leading and facilitating strategic planning, process improvements, developing future leaders, measuring performance, and helping to manage change. That background makes Ruth the perfect person to join us for this conversation. Ruth Johnston, welcome to navigating change. You know, even if Ruth and I were not presenting together at Wakubo, we would absolutely have her back on the show. And we said that last time. And that's because you and I are kindred spirits, right, Ruth? Absolutely, Howard. All right. Thank you. I was hoping you would say that. I didn't <laughs> I didn't tell you to say that. So let's talk about something that is in a statement from the workshop we're going to be doing at Wakubo. It says, business officers continue to explore ways to improve efficiency and effectiveness. However, most progress is incremental. And one reason for the lack of transformational progress in most institutions is that they don't have internal resources dedicated. So here's the truth for me, Ruth, is that even if it's accurate that most schools don't have sufficient resources, I think this is more of a symptom than a root cause, right? So having more resources to do the work or having a resource like yourself to do the work that you do is really important. But it's really a lack of commitment to focusing on transformational change or sufficient commitment. Because I think that most people would say, we do have a commitment to change, However, I think we often don't have a sufficient commitment to something other than incrementalism. And and I'm curious what you think about that. Well, I think transformational change is just really, really hard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It takes more than resource. It takes an amazing amount of will. It takes somebody who's willing to risk their position if things don't go well. Um, Transformational change often doesn't go well. So, you know, where do you start? Well, continuous improvement is all about incrementalism, if you will. Mm. And I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that, except that, like right now, we have 27 different projects that we know of, and that's just too many. It's really hard to keep track, even though we're a major university. But we can see the progress in each of these 27, which will end up helping to become transformational. In some ways, what we're doing is building the capacity for change and the buzz that we are going to change. So by having too many, it's hard, but not having many is also hard because we have to create this energy and the will to want to change, which I think through success is going to lead to bigger changes. 
you know, your comment about incrementalism is not bad, and I totally agree with that because it's so easy to interpret one is good and, and the other one's bad. That somehow, if we don't focus on a quote unquote transformation, which is a you know such a buzzword, incrementalism is another way of saying here are the steps we have to take to get there. But sometimes it's just that we don't even have the larger term vision, and I think the bigger issue if we talk about root cause versus symptoms is the will to put these things in place. And it's what you were talking about, which is this is hard work. And sometimes it demands at every level of the institution for people being willing to speak truth to power. Mm-hmm. And that that is not the sole determinant. But if you think about what stops institutions from making big change is that it's a risk. It's a risk to step forward and say, this is unacceptable, or saying, uh, we are not where we need to be. Uh, in some some cases, it's just easier to go with the flow. It's much easier to go with the flow. I think especially with shared governance, mm. um, which I think everybody's wrestling with. You know, What is the definition of shared governance? Where does it end and start? At our university, we are using activity-based budgeting or responsibility-centered management. So all of a sudden, the money, which used to be all managed centrally, is going back to the schools and colleges. So that, you you know, know, that concept's been around for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. Are you finding that that is helping uh, reshape how people are talking about their areas and their and their commitments because that's a big commitment to put that in place investment of people's time energy resources money and what you want what you hope for is that on the other side of that is that people it's it's causing different conversations to happen are you seeing that happen totally Absolutely. Every dean is now having to manage in a very different way. Mm. And most of the deans weren't necessarily brought up to be finance wizards, and they need to be much more aware of that and capable because their money is coming back because of the um, classes that are taught. So the, the tuition dollars go, for the most part, back to the schools, colleges. So now it means that they have to be very well aware of who's teaching, who's not, um, buyouts, the research money. There's so many different sources of funds, and they just didn't have to pay attention to it in the way they have to now. And of course, our state is one of the ones that has uh, basically divested from higher education funding, and the research dollars are down. So I think the challenges for the academics are much greater. And getting back to the shared governance piece, resources is obviously um, a leadership um, requirement. Shared governance gets to advise on all of that. But in the end, if somebody doesn't want to teach their load or whatever, it has to be a decision that is also resource-based. Well, this is building accountability. Right. It absolutely is. And we're seeing it more and more. We also are seeing that people are doing things that aren't penciling out. And so they're having to make some pretty hard decisions if they're going into deficit, what they're going to do about that. Like what programs and services they're going to stop running kind of thing? Exactly. Right. Or or clinics. You know, higher ed is really good about expanding ideas. We love new ideas, but we don't like stopping things. In some ways, it's a lot easier for me to come in as an outsider and say the things I say. If I was an internal person, I'd be part of the uh, the internal politics. And I think that's what makes your work even more uh, impactful, but also more challenging. So, you know, when, when you when you think about trying to give advice, for example, to another set of leaders to say, 
build capacity internally to to take some of these changes so that you don't always have to re- rely on somebody from the outside or quote unquote an expert. What would be the first step someone should take to build internal capacity if you were to think way back at the beginning of when you started this? Because you've been doing this for a long time. Building capacity is one of our strongest values in our organizational excellence work. We don't want to go into an area that's not going to have the ability to keep it going. Mm. So how do you do that? Well, we ideally want to go into a unit that has somebody from the get-go who really likes this stuff, likes process improvement or likes strategy or isn't afraid to get in the middle of a conflict or uh, likes Kanban boards. Um, That's a tool that I use, which is a, a visual way to show workflow. Yeah. And it uses stickies and, it, you know, you build a tool so that you can see that you're making progress. Mm-hmm. Um, as I just said, higher ed loves to create ideas. It doesn't necessarily like to either stop things or get things done sometimes. You know, we're in the world of our head. So by using a visual flow to show the activity, then you can see that things get done. And it's so easy and people love doing it. We'll be talking about it at the Wakupo workshop. When something's easy, somebody can get excited and they want to do it. And so what I like to do is give them things that are simple to use. That's great. So like an activity scope, just a one-page visual that talks about what the activity is. Something really sim- simple, not something that's five or ten pages long. And what that does is it actually allows the, for the transition for them to use it. To me, that's, right. that's the foundation right. of simple. Mm-hmm. We can make things so unnecessarily complicated. And sometimes people just need a flow or a simple process to follow, and it jumpstarts a process. You know, the, t- to me, the foundation of when I watch you do your work or in, engage with folks, and when I do the work that we do, I often find... When we're at our best, it's about jumpstarting something, mm-hmm. right? It's not about doing it even. Mm-hmm. It's about being an enabler. And that to me, you know, I was I was thinking about what ja- what really excites me about our work. You know, when work is going really well, when we're really contributing to change, it's it's when people are willing to trust us to try new things. And what jazz is you? So I was thinking about that this morning. It's like as as I think about stuff that is a pain to do. Everyone's got parts of their job that are that are a pain. And then there's the work that gets us really excited. What comes to mind for you that's really exciting about your work when you just are so totally jazzed? Hmm. Well, last week we held what's called an Organizational Excellence Showcase. Uh, it was the second oh, wow. one. You yeah. got to see it last year. And we had about 55 posters And it was all about what's excellent at the university. So we had schools and colleges and probably 500 people came to learn from each other. To me, that really jazzes me. No, because you get to see that, okay, what you're up to is something that people want. Mm -hmm. It's tangible. So, you know, don't you stand around there sometimes and look around and say, "Why, why aren't more people doing this? Doesn't that sometimes enter your head? It's like in some ways... The more we do this work, the more obvious it is. So how do we translate that for folks to make it easy? That, to me, is the fundamental challenge. Well, it always helps if there's some type of reason behind doing it, mm. right? Th- that's right. So what was the re- what is the reason for your showcase? Because we want to build capacity. We want people to get excited about what they can do. We reinvent the wheel all the time at the university. Yeah. We have central administration processes that then every school and college have to figure out how to match to. 
<laughs> makes no sense. So let's say onboarding staff, right? We might have an onboarding checklist that comes out of HR, but then every school college has to have their own unique onboarding checklist to get them familiar with their school or college. We don't do things wing to wing. And I spent um, two and a half years in the school of nursing helping uh, at a very difficult time and then went to the Tacoma campus to interdisciplinary arts and sciences um, to help them with shared governance and to create um, some improved processes. And I learned firsthand the deep divide between central administration and the schools and colleges and how we don't even know what each other is doing and how we can be helpful. Mm. Making those kinds of links is really exciting to me. Um, I have always considered myself kind of a a linker. Somebody has this idea. I want them to learn from this person's idea so that makes it easier for them. Yeah. You make connections for folks and bring people together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know that deep that that deep chasm between central administration and the units or a system uh, office mm-hmm. and the and the actual schools. But I got to tell you, it gets even worse because you know, if you work within any division, there is those chasms within the divisions themselves. Absolutely. And you know it's the difference between trying to get work done. And being able and willing to step back and say, how can we be better? And I think fundamentally what you and I focus on with folks is we are the reminder that it's important to step back and reflect. And then, and that, you know, when I think about what you, this idea of building capacity, and I thought, okay, where did that start? So, you know, it's, it's one thing for you to have a concept. It's another thing for leadership to say, we're doing this. And would you agree that, no matter how passionate you are about this, if your leadership doesn't consider that a core value and want to make it central to the work, it's not going to happen. I've never had more support for doing this work in my career than I do now. It's amazingly exciting. Um, And there are so many people who are excited about this. So when the... um, President, the provost switched over basically last spring and the current, the interim's then became permanent almost. Um, The president is now permanent. The provost should be shortly, we hope. They said, we haven't been paying enough attention to the infrastructure at the university for many, many years. Mm. And so we're going to create a program called Transforming Administration. And that started basically last spring. And lots of support from them, continued support from them. We have a very active um, leadership group who tackles the various projects uh, were out on campus saying what's broken, what needs to be fixed. Uh, campus is more than happy to tell us. So one of our big initiatives right now is to create a common set of service standards in central administration. It sounds so incredibly basic, uh, but we don't have them. Probably most universities don't have them, That's especially right. of the size that we are. And so we put together a campus-wide team. They were delighted to serve people who really care about service. They've come up with a set of policy guidelines, and now we're going to start to roll it out. And, you know, some are really excited about it. Our advancement people, our faculty senate chair, uh, they can't wait to see this happen. And then there's others who say, I totally believe in it, but we don't have enough resource. Or what about the peak times? Or compliance is really important. You know, services also, but maybe compliance, some people think is more important than service. So we're going to have a long way to go, but I think we'll be able to build it into, you know, this culture of service is what it's all about. Service to our students, service to our faculty, service to each other. 
um, it's really pretty exciting to me. You know, I was reading uh, The State of Higher Education. is written up by Grant Thornton. They do one every year. And they have a particular section in this document that, as you were talking, I think is a really simple headline for what most schools are going through. And they talk about it from a maturity standpoint, moving from adolescence to adulthood. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, I think if we tell the truth about process and how we work and getting things done, we've got the most amazing outcomes we produce between the learning students get and the research that's done. But as I've been saying for years, if you lift the hood up and you look underneath, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. And and it has a lot to do with, and, and by the way, that's true for so many large and small institutions is that we've learned how to deliver often on the backs of people, right? So on, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But, but, we, but fundamentally, this concept of moving from adolescence to adulthood is really about uh, taking this seriously that we want to have an infrastructure that people feel connected to, uh, feel that they can contribute to, and are working together through this. And as you mentioned before, shared governance is one of those challenges, but it's it's the thing that's not going away. So we just have to figure out how we're going to get better at that. For some people, they might think, well, you know, maybe even some corporate board members, why can't we rethink that? Well, you can get better at shared governance. However, it's never going away. That's the model, just like in our in our in our in our country, this idea of checks and balances mm-hmm. uh, to make it better. But as you can see in our country, it's the same kind of dilemma. It slows things mm-hmm. down. So you and I are gonna be together at Wakubo, and I think we got some really exciting new things to talk about. You know, the the overarching conversation is about building internal capacity. And your experience and my experience is probably scary. It's over 50 years of experience in this work. That's a scary thought. Maybe even more. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm being kind to both of us. And, and ideas, tips, tools to implement. You know, so practical things people take away. Why don't you just let people know a little bit about what are some of the things that you want to talk about and you're going to share with people at Wakubo? Well, in a way, you were just talking about uh, maturity, going from adolescence to adulthood. And one of the things I'm building now uh, with my staff is is a maturity model, which is intended to take um, an organization that is just starting all the way up to that adulthood. Mm. And what are the things that people need to do in each stage in order to be effective? so that it makes it easier for people, whether it is like my group, even organizational excellence, we're, we're only two years old. So we're still in the baby stage up to an organization that is um, much more mature. And mature doesn't always mean healthy. But what are the aspects of health in each of those so people can know better how to achieve it? You know, you said it's a mess underneath the cover. I think it's a well-intentioned mess. So my hope is to make it a little bit less messy because we have good people who simply just don't know how to do it. So that's what we're going to talk about in terms of the maturity model. That's very cool. Yeah, so it's interesting because it's so easy to ascribe uh, a value judgment when you make statements, when I made a statement about it being a mess. I think it's, we just got to be willing to say these things and not hear it as, you know, give people the goodwill and knowing that everybody truly Mm -hmm. is doing the best they can. Mm -hmm. And the nature of the work is, it's just hard to do that. So the maturity model is one example, you know, from the point of view of what I hope that in you and I will be leading, uh, you'll be leading specific things that you're doing at your university. And then 
there's some things I've been doing around the country in terms of helping people really look at change, both from a personal standpoint, but also from an institutional standpoint. And how do you support yourself and others through that change? It's a message that many people have heard, but I think you can't remind them enough. Because, you know, I, nine times out of 10, Ruth, I come away from a workshop that I'm leading and I'm so painfully aware that what I'm talking about is not rocket science and often common sense, but that kind of common sense gets lost because we're over busy and we don't take the time to step back and ask these kinds of questions. So one of the things that you and I will engage in is how do we deal with people and change around change mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. a personal and institutional level? And also the, the big one, the, the new thing I've been talking a lot about is this idea of getting people on the bus. You know, if you ask, you know, the majority of people, we need to get everybody on the bus. I'll tell you, that's not true. You don't need to get everybody on the bus. And I think we behave from that place and focus on the wrong people, and that's why we get stalled. So I'm going to be talking about how you can rethink that so you can actually get momentum on these larger projects. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to do some exercises with folks Mm -hmm. to make it uh, really exciting. So so what else do you want people to know about? Or where they can be looking, because I'd love to sh- people to be able to see the kind of work that you're doing. Uh, if they were going to go to your um, your organization, where should they be going? They go to the University of Washington homepage and then Google TAP. T-A-P. Sometimes these acronyms don't work. That one works well. It's funny because, you know, we can do everything from, you know, it's a it's a tap project to we're tapped out, <laughs> <laughs> which sometimes happens too. That's but uh, yeah, the tap um, website and then organizational excellence. And there's, we're building all the time the website, um, but there's some tools there and you'll hear what our, or you can read our various services and, and the podcast that I did for Nakubo is listed there as well. Very cool. And, you know, I can tell you that I, when I'm out there traveling and sharing with people work that's happening in different places, I often bring up the work that you're doing because people look at that and go, man, we got to start thinking like this. So you are, you are a leader in this conversation and you are ahead of the pack. And that's, it's really meant to say that with the amount of time and years you've invested in this, it's really paying off. And now I think people are paying attention more than they ever have. Aren't you finding Mm -hmm. that to be true? There's much more interest today Absolutely. than there ever was in this. There's more than I've ever seen. That's awesome. And people really want to learn. It's fantastic. Well, I can't wait to spend time with you and be with you again at the conference at Wakubo. And looking forward to uh, our time with that. Let me turn it back to Pete to uh, take us out. Howard and Ruth are among the speakers at this year's Wakubo Annual Conference. They'll be presenting Cultivating Organizational Excellence together day one, April 24th at 2 p.m. They're leading this conversation around organizational maturity, defining organizational health, and uncovering how you support yourself and others through organizational change. So mark your calendars, and we will see you in San Francisco. You can find resources mentioned in this episode in our show notes in your podcast app or at tybalink.com slash podcast slash 144. Thanks, everyone, for downloading. On behalf of Howard Teibel and Ruth Johnston, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next week on Navigating Change the education podcast from Tybal Inc.